Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, airing every Tuesday. I'm Melanie Blackman, a contributing editor for Health Leaders. My guest for today's episode is Jennifer Gilkey, the Chief Communications and Marketing Officer for Dartmouth Health, New Hampshire's only academic health system. Jennifer, who was promoted to her role in February, joined the system in 2017, where she initially served as Vice President of Communications and Marketing for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center and Clinics. Since then, she became System Vice President of Communications and Marketing for the whole system in 2021. During our conversation, Jennifer talks about her unique career journey and how she has helped lead the rebranding efforts for Dartmouth Health over the past three years. She also shares advice for aspiring healthcare leaders. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. What initially drew you to work in marketing and how did you become a marketing leader for Dartmouth Health? I think of myself not as just a marketing leader, but I, I think of myself as a communications and marketing leader. And I arrived in marketing really more um, from a communications journey than a marketing background. I was drawn to the role because I often consider myself more of a generalist than a specialist because I've had a very circuitous career path. And honestly, I had worked in healthcare previous to Dartmouth Health, but a lot of my experience came from outside the healthcare realm. And when we moved here to New Hampshire, it was about seven years ago, I really wanted to stay in healthcare and I wasn't actually sure where I would land. And as luck had it, about a year and a half into our journey here, there was a position. This was one of the organizations that I had identified when we lived in New York that I thought I would really connect with. I I had read about what was then Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health and Dartmouth-Hitchcock. I had done a lot of research and I thought that's an organization where I would really like to work. And I was fortunate enough to be figuring out how I could transition from being uh, a consultant who was traveling a lot and not at home. And we had moved to this beautiful place in New Hampshire that I wanted to be able to appreciate and spend time in. And this position became available. And and I was so grateful that I could be first a candidate and an interim, what was then the vice president of communications and marketing, and then ultimately became a permanent member of the team and had a really kind of a pivotal time in the organization. So I was really drawn to Joanne Conroy as our CEO. I'd heard great things about her and working for a female leader. I was super excited um, to have that opportunity. And she was beginning to carve out her vision for building a stronger system, an integrated academic health system. And so there were just so many opportunities. I felt like the organization was just full of opportunities that were both communications and marketing opportunities. And I will say that one of the first things I did was identify that we needed a really, really strong marketing leader on my team, because again, going back to that generalist background that I bring, I have experience in marketing. I've worked in marketing in in a number of different positions that I've held, 
but I've never really been a deeply experienced marketer. And this role has brought me a lot more of that knowledge, but I hired a really fantastic, and she's still with us, um, senior director of marketing to help me and to partner with me in reshaping what we were doing for around marketing. That's really cool. You're able to find an organization that really meshed up with what you were looking for. And then as well as, you know, focused on communications. I know you had mentioned that you worked in marketing outside of healthcare. What are some of the biggest learnings you've taken into marketing and communications in healthcare? Well, there are two things I'll, I'll point to. One was when I worked for the New York, New Jersey, the 2014 Super Bowl host committee, which is an organization so opposite of healthcare. A lot of people aren't aware, but it's similar to when a city is awarded an Olympics. The city that's awarded the Super Bowl by the NFL creates a host committee to actually host the Super Bowl. And it was a three and a half year position and I often say it was a once in a lifetime experience that I feel very glad. And I've had just some wonderful experiences in my career. And I feel really lucky that I got to do the Super Bowl. But part of what we did, and this is something I learned, was how to build a brand, an external facing brand, because nobody knew about the host committee or the Super Bowl. And we had to build an actual identity for the New York, New Jersey Super Bowl. So we we built it from the ground up in terms of we create we had to have a logo um, built. We created a mission. We actually created a kind of a sub organization that was called the Snowflake Foundation, so that we knew that we wanted to leave an, a mark on the region that would be long lasting for having hosted the Super Bowl. So we did a lot of charitable work around. Um, we partnered with the Boys and Girls Clubs to re-renovate uh, swimming pools, and we did a lot of work with not-for-profits, as well as messaging to the community that this, they were having the Super Bowl. This one, It was the first time it had ever been hosted in a cold weather climate, and we had all of these firsts. So that was something that we really grabbed onto with our messaging. It was the first time two teams had hosted. It was the first time two states had, you know, and cities had been um, part of the Super Bowl because you had New York and New Jersey. So building that brand and the importance of creating a strong identity was something that I, I feel that I brought to Dartmouth Health and understanding the importance of a positive um, association with a brand and, and what it can do for an organization. When I worked at American Express, one of the things that I learned there was the importance of events. I did a lot of work in events. I worked with our sponsorship team. And that events work carried into um, my time at New York Presbyterian because as we were building out their regional health system, one of the things that we went after to start to build the brand around NYP and just a lot of the messaging around the expertise was to uh, go into the community and we sponsored a lot of community events or we partnered with community organizations to support their existing initiatives. And in that way, we really were trying to drive the importance of community that we weren't that NYP for the world-class organization that it is similar to Dartmouth Health 
we think of ourselves as a world-class organization, but at the same time, we really want to have a voice in the community and an identity in the community. So that was something else that I really wanted to bring into my job at Dartmouth Health. It's such an interesting career journey. And I've I've talked to a lot of other healthcare marketers and, and leading marketing and communications where they have started outside of healthcare and have come in and, and taken those learnings with them. I mean, the Super Bowl host committee, how cool is that? Um, <laughs> and like you said, like a once in a lifetime event. And so I know you talked about building a brand and then, you know, moving over to Dartmouth Health, you've been working on kind of this rebrand journey. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of what marketing tools you've relied on and, and how you've led the efforts? So the rebrand journey here, which was tr truly a real um, opportunity that you don't get very often. So we started it before COVID. So it started before COVID. And I really think of it as a journey because we were down the path of really taking the time to um, reach out to the community. We did deep dive research. We we talked to community patients, our, all of our members. We wanted everyone to have a voice at the table on what our new identity would be. We spent a lot of time talking to agencies, figuring out who the right agency was. We had selected our agency. They had come up to start to do that first initial interviews with some of our leaders, and then COVID hit. And I, I will not say that we stopped the rebrand, but we we certainly slowed it down. But I feel like it should be its own case study doing a rebrand through COVID because we had fits and starts, just as the pandemic had fits and starts, where there were times where it just had to sit and wait, and then we could get back to it. So it took a total of three years, which is actually quite a lengthy time for a rebrand. We did it almost entirely by WebEx and Zoom calls because we had to. And that was that was certainly a unique aspect. In terms of you know tools, I would actually say that while it's not exactly a tool, the, the piece that was most important for us from a marketing perspective was around market research. And we're continuing to use that to really understand what um, the perception and the awareness of the brand, existing brand was, what we needed to change, and then are we being effective? We tested our tagline, which when we rolled out our first brand campaign last year, um, the best where it matters most, we spent a lot of time, you know, with focus groups informally testing it. And then we were lucky enough that it resonated and we are continuing to work with that. We also participated, we joined Monogle in a national research study, the human brand experience, because we want to understand how our brand, one of our goals with the rebrand was to build recognition and awareness of Dartmouth Health on a national level, because we do some pretty amazing and innovative work at Dartmouth Health in collaboration with Dartmouth and Geisel and our clinical trials. And so we really took a, a step back and we said, okay, we want to make sure that the region and the local community understands what a gem they have here and, and an opportunity. We, we really consider 
it a responsibility and a privilege to care for our local community, but we also want to make sure that, that we have an identity on the national landscape so that we're not at conferences and people say, Dartmouth Hitchcock, where's that? Earlier this year, the system had announced that you're promoted to chief marketing and communications officer. How have your roles kind of changed from when you first joined in 2017? First of all, I was really excited to be promoted to that role. And I, you know, my role has largely evolved from the organizations that I was responsible for the kind of communications and marketing team initially as the medical center and the clinics. And then as we started to grow as a system and, you know, we actually haven't had any new members come on since I joined, although we're very excited because we are hoping that we'll be closing an agreement with Southwestern Vermont Healthcare in July. So that's really exciting. But I would say that the role has evolved and grew because of we took on more work as we became more integrated academic health system. Every organ, it's really important, I believe, for our health system that all of our members that we respect that every member has its own unique nuances and characteristics for their community. New, just like New Hampshire, I mean, New Hampshire has these like five different key regions. Each of our member organizations has its own unique conversation that they bring to the table, their own unique patient community. But at the same time, we're one organization and we want to figure out how we support one another. So I would say my role, that's what sort of led to the evolution of my role is, is building that, that bridge between um, the members and sort of our, the medical center and the, the clinics. And congratulations on that promotion. That's very exciting. You know, thinking about your time with Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center and Clinics and Dartmouth Health, and then back before with New York Presbyterian, and even back before that outside of the healthcare sector, you know, you've had a lot of really great experiences. And I was wondering if you could kind of reflect on that and share some advice for women and others who aspire either to be leaders in healthcare or marketing and communications. Yeah, you know, it's funny because one of my greatest influences was actually and supporters was a male and Al Kelly, who was the president of American Express, who I worked for. He was without a doubt, probably the most amazing leader I worked for. But at the same time, he was a really an, an incredible supporter and mentor for um, me as a woman and growing my career. In fact, we, he also worked for the Super Bowl. I followed him to the Super Bowl. And he was the one who pointed me toward healthcare and said, maybe, you know, you want to explore this area when we were winding down the Super Bowl, because we all knew when we went into the Super Bowl that there would be an end to the Super Bowl. And, and he taught me a really important lesson, which is as a leader, you want to have people around you who are better than you in the areas that they specialize in. So that's my example about marketing and hiring a really amazing, because I knew, I, I know marketing, 
but I need somebody who will be a real like deep expert in this area to help us be effective. And so that's that was something I did. And and he has said he said to me many times, don't ever be afraid of having somebody who knows more than you do work on your team. Like that's what you want to be successful. So, you know, some of the things as, as a female, I would say I've learned along the way from a lot of really amazing women, you know, you wanna be visible, right? Be visible in your organization and own your accomplishments. So often, I think women are, are a little hesitant. They're a little bit, sometimes by nature, they could be a little bit more inclined, especially I'm a little bit older. I'm hopeful that women are getting a little bit more empowered as they're coming into into professions that they're in. But I, you know, I early on in my career, I would lie to you, like I would, I, I think, and I, I learned this was a common feeling that you could feel a little bit like an imposter. Don't ever feel like an imposter. You should own your accomplishments. You should own your role. You should be visible. And I think that would be a piece of advice. And, and as a leader, be transparent and vulnerable. Just because you're a woman and sometimes women are, can be maybe a little more emotional, some women than men. Um, don't be afraid of that. It's okay to have emotion. It's okay to feel that you, you can relate on an emotional level, that there's nothing wrong with that. And I have, I have believed that my, and maybe that's my acting or my theater background. I, I am honest and transparent with my team about how I'm feeling. And I think that's important. And I would also say humor. Humor is to me, if somebody can't laugh and somebody can't sometimes on a really crazy day, step back and like make a joke and take a breath, that that to me is something that's very important, not just for leaders, but for all women. Be able to laugh a little bit at your foibles and 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 then sometimes I'm, I think taking an acting class is never a bad thing. My my husband, who's an artist, is a huge advocate that everybody in every career should have had to take an acting class because you learn about people skills, you observe, your observational skills are trained as an actor. And I think that's been helpful to me throughout my career. Well, that's all wonderful advice. Um, thank you for sharing that. And and Jennifer, just thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast and, and sharing your journey and your, your expertise. I really appreciate it. Oh, I've enjoyed it. This was really fun. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.